0: Welcome into the PuttCraft Podcast. My name is Reed Nelson. This Wednesday evening... Grand Slam, Coon Rapids, the New Year's Eve Open. We will tee off right at 6 p.m. They close at 8, so we need to get up and get going ASAP. And if many of you are there early, we'll probably start a few minutes before 6. If you're running late, don't worry. We're not going to start without you. 6 o'clock is when we will start. But if possible, if you get there a few minutes early, I would not be against that at all. Also, the January events have also been uh, announced, if you will. We're calling it the Winter Classic at the Grand Slam in Burnsville. On Thursday... January 12th, and then the Golf Zone Open 3.0 on Saturday, January 28th. So the next three events in the book, New Year's Eve open this Wednesday, Grand Slam Coon Rapids, 6 p.m. The winter classic at Grand Slam Burnsville, Thursday, January 12th. TBD on the start time of that probably gonna end up being 5:30, 5:45, maybe. Um, and then the Golf Zone Open 3.0 Saturday, January 28th. This podcast is going to be dedicated specifically to the player rankings, and this was um a fun one for a number of reasons, mainly because it's a complete mess in a good way, and normally, I what I normally do, kind of just peek behind the process here, is I'll normally look at the last player rankings, and I'll go from there, I'll look at the last events, the last two, three, four events, and see from that point, but what I did this time is I actually um trashed that completely. And I went I went to the MCGs and I went to the last couple of events and I kind of started there. Um and you know <laughs> the further we get into this the more the more um outliers there are going to be there are some significant outliers uh in a good way including the person or the player at 10 um which is I don't know something I don't know if we've quite seen this yet. But the fun thing about the player rankings is that we can all have our opinions and you can think I'm a moron or you can think that I'm very smart. uh, But these are the player rankings. And unlike the MCGs, uh, there's, as I've said in the past, a significant amount of recency bias that goes into them. Uh, But they're a lot of fun and uh, let's get started. So the number 10 player on this week's, uh, rankings. I should note there are two brand new faces on this week's player rankings. This player was not eligible for the MCGs. They have a 94% BEP percentage right now after two events. Sean Brown's at 90%, 89.9%. So... As we all know, the the course can dictate that quite a bit, and the golf zone, uh, which is one of the two events that this player has played in, has at one point had a one hundred percent BEP. But we'd never played at Loons Nest before, right? So that one factors into it as well, where they uh, where they actually had a ninety four point four percent BEP there. And then they went and they had a 94.4% BEP at uh, the golf zone. So they went 34 of 36 on birdies, Eagles and pars, both events. Um, Both events were also top five finishes for this player, but no wins yet. Do I expect them to win? Plenty, plenty, but none yet. And only two events in, but two very good finishes. And the 10th ranked player this week is Eric Casilius. Um, who, uh, again, as I just noted, has has two top five finishes and a 94.4% BEP percentage. As we head to Grand Slam, I think that BEP is going to stay up there. And then when we go to (laughs) Burnsville, that BEP is going to stay up there. Then when we go back to Chaska, that BEP is going to stay up there as well. The trick's going to be is if we head to um, Moose Mountain sometime in February which I think we will uh, and if Eric plays in that event that BEP is gonna 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 take a little bit of a hit So again you you have to factor in everything when you're looking at BEP percentage um if all you ever did was play at Lily putt your BEP is gonna be uh very 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 high as we all know and if all you played at Midwest Golf Dome you wouldn't even your BEP would be extremely low so okay number nine. Um, the lowest this player has ranked in quite a while and truthfully, just barely hung on, just barely hung on. And this is one of those weird quirks where I knew (laughs) this isn't going to make any sense to you. It doesn't make any sense to me, but Eric was like locked in at 10 for me. This player, I was either going to have at nine or they were going to be off the rankings completely. Again, doesn't make sense. Doesn't need to make sense. And that's Matt Wyman, Matt Wyman with an 80% BEP percentage. Again, he has played at Moose Mountain. Um, so again, I, I, I don't, I don't see him as a 14 percentage point difference between Eric caselius uh, and him, um, has two wins, has three top five finishes, haven't seen him in a while. He's obviously been playing collegiate football. So, it, you know, it's fine, obviously. There's any number of reasons the Miss Buttcraft events are all fine. Uh, but Matt Wyman hangs in at ninth place. Again, two wins, three top five finishes, and 80% BEP percentage. Um, and the last time we saw him, I think, was... July, maybe August. I think camp starts pretty. No, yeah, it would have been July, I believe. So it's been a while, but we'll see him again. All good. All good. Maybe even on Wednesday, we'll see him. Be a lot of fun. Okay, I lost my place. Here we go. Okay, number eight. Uh, Attendance is not a problem with this person at all. I believe. Sometimes I think of things to say midway through, and I'm like, oh, maybe you should have done a little bit of research on this. This person has not missed an event in a while. Let's take a look here. Since they started playing, they haven't missed a single event. I believe that's 17 in a row. And I want to say, for whatever reason, I feel like the New Year's Eve open last year was this person's second event. This is this is a test of my memory right now. This person knows who who they are. Uh, some of you might be racking your brains to think of it right now. I think the New Year's Eve open was this person's second event last year, which means their first event would have been the golf zone. Um, they are from Chaska, and I'm pretty sure. And I'm going to stop doing on-air research. I prosh. I pre- I apologize, Josh Benish. Is the eighth player in our player rankings this week. A couple things zero wins, four top five finishes, an 80% BEP. But let's take a look at the last couple of events for Josh. A fourth place finish at the Golf Zone Open 2.0. And I don't know why I have to use this for barometer for everybody, but whatever. One stroke off of Sean Brown. Okay, so Sean Brown at 10 under par. Of course, Zach Acelius and Dan Wesley both at 13 under par. Sean Brown at 10, Josh Banish at 9 under par. The aforementioned Eric Acelius at 8 under par. Okay, let's take a look at Loon's Nest Open. Not as good of a finish there. Um, a 4 under par, 19 strokes off of Sean Brown, and I believe this is 12th. Twelfth place finish for Josh Banish. Then we go all the way back to Dred Scott, and that was in September. I know we've only had three events since then. My apologies. Well, that won't happen next year. But Josh Banish, uh, a second place finish in at the Dred Scott Open 2.0 again. Matt Rolstead's 37 on the back 18, uh, made up nine strokes on Josh to overtake him on the final hole. Uh, nine strokes better than Sean Brown there. So a little bit of up and down, but mostly up, okay? Mostly up there for Josh. If if we look at the last three events, comes in at number eight. I love playing hypotheticals with this because they're mainly harmless, Right? Um, and, and, and if you watch sports, sport media, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, it's all hypotheticals. It's all fun. It's just all, you know, just to get, kind of get people going, kind of thinking to myself, where would Josh be on this ranking if he had held on, um, at Dred Scott in September? And the answer is higher, <laughs> right? One stroke off from being higher. I I think, I think he'd be at 5. I think is where he'd be off the top of my head. 5 or 6. Okay. Hypothetical, just for fun. Um, you know. Okay. Let's go to number 7. This was tricky. This was tricky and this is this is why this is somewhat impossible at times. Uh, but this player has a win. And they also have only one top 5 finish. And they also only have two events. And in their first event, they finished outside of the top 10. An 83% BEP percentage, but a win, right? And pretty much everybody, except for one player, on the remainder of this list all have a win. And the number seven player right now is Zach Acelius, okay? And again, one win, one top five finish. And uh, an 83% BEP percentage, which of, of the players who have played in at least two events, ranks him number eight, I believe. Nope, tied for ninth with Daniel Radke and Jeff Woodfield. Okay. So ultimately wins are what matter and wins are what's going to climb you up these rankings. Consistency, attendance, recency bias, all that stuff matters. But Zach Haselius comes in at number seven. If not for his performance at the loons nest, had had that been a top five finish, had that been a top six finish, a top seven finish, we would be looking at a a a much, much different ranking here uh for 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 Mr. Haselius. Um he was eight under probably was 15 strokes off the the lead, which 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 was Sean Brown, and 10 strokes off Eric Aselius, uh, who who is in second place. So, <clears throat> you know, this hodgepodge here at the bottom, um, you know, if, 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 if you look at Matt Wyman, he's got the two wins, but we haven't seen him in a while. If you look at Eric Acelius, he's probably been the most consistent of these four players. No wins, but a 94% BEP, albeit in two easy courses. Josh Banish, zero wins, four top five finishes, and 80% BEP percentage, basically perfect attendance and also a near win, if not for a, an impossible comeback from Matt Rolstead, uh, who's very high up on this list, spoiler alert. And then Zach azelius who has a win, a finish outside the top 10 and an 83% BEP percentage, which is actually higher than Matt Wyman and Josh Benish. So there you go. There's the bottom four out of the top 10 here, a little bit messy. Um, and the, the messiness continues, As we get into the sixth player, who is Dan Wesley, who has an 84% BEP percentage, has one win, the Grand Slam in Burnsville, and five top five finishes. Oh, and by the way, tied Zach um, and and, and went into a one-hole playoff at, at the Gulf Zone Open. Oh, now, gosh, it's been over a month. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. November 19th. Ah! This month has been insanity. And it's like just ramping up right now. I think we're at the zenith right now, I would say. Zenith is that the tip, the highest point? I think I'm using that word right. Uh it'd be embarrassing if I if I wasn't, but that's okay. I think I saw it in a movie last night. I think it was on knives the 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 new knives out. Glass Onion. It was okay. It was an okay movie. Started out great. Okay. Dan Wesley, 84% BEP percentage, one win, five top five finishes. A mixed bag of recency bias here. Again, the last event um, tied for first, wasn't at the Loon's Nest Open. And then if you recall the Dred Scott Open, um, Dred Scott does not agree with Dan Wesley. Not a great performance there. Um, But again, he's played in several events. Um, I think we're going on 10 plus here uh, for Dan. And again, a top five finish an eighty four percent b e p percentage Dan Wesley, your sixth ranked player in putcraft okay, now to the top five this would be a great spot for a commercial break, but lucky for you guys, we don't have commercials um and uh you know maybe one day but not today, not for a while actually, okay, the number five player in putcraft has eleven Top five finishes, okay, So far, Eric Celius two, Matt Wyman three, Josh Benish, four, Zach Azelius one, Dan Wesley five, this player eleven, an 81 percent BEP percentage, and one career victory, which um gosh, I guess was about a year ago now at Eagle Lake. September of 2021, I believe. It's been fun. We've been doing this for a while. And that's Tom Loftus. Tom Loftus is your fifth-ranked player in Puckraft. And if I haven't made any sense yet, if you think that I've made no sense in these first five players, things are not going to get any easier for you for these next three players. The top two, pretty easy. I I can tease it a little bit. You know, and if, and if, and if Matt Rolstead would have won at uh, Gulf Zone, maybe, maybe I could tease a little bit more. Uh, but the top two, not all that interesting. These next three are because I have the innate ability to talk out of both sides of my mouth pretty easily. And I'm about to do that here. So why Tom? Why is Tom over um, Dan, right? Because, uh, or Zach, for that matter because Zach and Dan are like pretty close. Okay. And I just said that if Josh holds on against Dred Scott at Dred Scott, he's going to be above both of them. He might actually be above Tom as well. Tom's last win was a year ago, Dan's last win was nine months ago. Zach's last win was. Okay. So there was a pause there. And let me explain to you why there was a pause there because my program stopped and then I probably talked for 15 more minutes. And then I realized that it had stopped. I was able to recover somehow the first 16 and a half minutes of this podcast. I thought I was gone. I thought I was having to start over again. So I had gotten all the way past number three. And when I realized, where, where is this? Where is the, uh, where is the audacity here? Um, so, okay, I was in the middle of Tom. Um, keep in mind that I had gotten all the way up to three. And I'm trying to remember the point I was trying to make. I was talking a little bit about out of both sides of my mouth, as you all know. And the point I was trying to make ultimately about Tom and why he's at five, and not below Dan, not below Zach, not not below Josh, is uh, the body of work, the consistency, the top five finishes. And here's what I'm going to do because I just got done doing this, and I'm going to do it again. Um, and I'm going to go over the last couple events. And but I'm going to do this a little bit differently. I'm going to keep this monitor open so I can make sure that we don't lose it again. My apologies for the technical difficulties. Let's do this. I'm going to hold on to this piece about Tom until I talk about the third place person as well. So let's talk about fourth place. Fourth place, fourth place, fourth ranked player, five top five finishes in five events, and an 86% BEP percentage, which is higher than anybody on this list, except for Zach Casilius, who has played in only two events. Excuse me, Eric Casilius, who has played in only two events. Okay, and that's Joel Brown. Okay, Joel Brown still with zero wins, five top five finishes, 86%. Now, Joel, if you remember, uh, Pirate Spring Open in March took Dan Wesley to extras. Joel's head Very, very, very close opportunities to win events, but ultimately has not broken through. Joel is going to be there on Wednesday, okay? Joel has an opportunity to, if he places high, first, second, or third, I see him cementing himself at third, okay? Uh, He's not going to jump Sean. He's not going to jump Matt, no matter what happens. Now, if we wanted to play hypotheticals, (laughs) if we wanted to play hypotheticals, if Joel scores a thirty-six, Joel will be the number one player in Puckraft. I'm talking thirty-six on both the front total and the back. So eighteen on the front, eighteen on the back, all all aces. Joel, you'll be the number one player in Puckraft. Uh, besides that, um, he's not going to jump Sean. He's not going to jump Matt. We haven't seen him in a while, but we're going to see him on Wednesday. The consistency, and it's against it's across five events too, right? It's not just, um. You know uh, nothing against Eric Caelius, but Eric Caelius is two for two, right? Second place finish in his first event, and a top five finishes in his second. Do that three more times without winning, and we're gonna and we're gonna start having conversations about you up at four. Okay, Eric Caelius ten, Matt Wyman nine, Josh Benish eight, Zach Caelius seven, Dan Wesley six, Tom Loftus five, Joel Brown four. I'm saving the Tom Loftus piece because Anthony Dunkel, who's at three right now, um. Is is uh it's sort of in that same uh vein. Now, here's how I would look at it in terms of tiers. I think Eric Aselius and Matt Wyman are in a tier. I think Josh Benish is in a tier. I think Zach Aselius and Dan Wesley are in a tier. Okay, and then I think Tom, Joel, and Anthony are in a tier. OK, so that would be if one, two, three, this will be a, f- a fourth tier, if you will. So these three players, I mean, you could have Tom at three, Joel at four, Dunkle at five. You could have Dunkle at four, Joel at three, Tom. I mean, like, like, any which way you swing it, I, I I think I think you could justify it, in my opinion. OK, Anthony Dunkle, one win. It's a long time ago. Okay, It was the first ever Puttcraft event. And um you know the 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 competition wasn't quite what it is now that's not anthony's fault right you play the people on your schedule oh, they have such an easy schedule well, who cares right they're winning games he won that event period okay um nine top 5 finishes including up into the last two events seven of nine top 5 top 5 finishes he had finished In the top five and seven of the last nine. And a 79% BEP percentage. Now, that's the lowest so far out of everybody who's played here. But keep this in mind. I believe Anthony Dunkels played Moose Mountain. I believe Anthony Dunkels played Midwest Golf Dome twice, right? A lot of people have not played Midwest Golf Dome twice. I'd be willing to bet. In fact, let let me just see if I can do this here without screwing stuff up. If Anthony Dunkel's BEP percentage is 79.2% right now, and that includes a 50% at the first um, Midwest Golf Dome, and then a 58% at the second. If you were to take out that first one, he jumps to 81.1%. If you were to take out that first and second one, he jumps to 82.6%. He'd be at 83%. We'd be having a much different conversation. Eric Seelius hasn't played the Midwest Golf Dome. Matt Wyman hasn't played the Midwest Golf Dome. Josh Benish hasn't played the Midwest Golf Dome. I can't punish Anthony Dunkel for playing the Midwest Golf Dome twice, okay, and seeing that his BEP percentage is at 79, it's lowest here. It doesn't matter. Okay? Context. Okay? So, Let's do this. Let's go back. <laughs> this is what I was doing when I realized that, 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 I had lost the, uh, the podcast. Boy, I'm glad I didn't have to start over. Um, okay. So these are, this is my case for why Anthony and why Tom are in that tier with Joel. Okay. Remember Joel's an 86% BEP percentage. That's the highest out of all three of them. It's the highest of anybody except for Eric Aselius in this so far. Um, but if you look at how they've been performing recently, they've been incredibly consistent recently, okay? You can't say the same about that for everybody. So, let's do a little rewind here. Okay, this is the second time I'm doing this, so I apologize. Uh, both, okay, so Tom Loftus, top five finish at the Golf Zone Open at 800 par. Anthony Dunkel right behind him one stroke off of a top five finish at the Gulf Zone Open. Loon's Nest Open, okay? That's an event uh, that Anthony Dunkel probably, um, actually, no, that I'll get to in a second. Tom Loftus, top five finish, 13 under par. Anthony Dunkel, two strokes off of Tom Loftus' top five finish there. Now, if Dunkel shaves off three strokes, Two during Loons Nest, one during Golf Sun Open. We're talking about somebody who's finished in the top five in nine of their last eleven events. Is that better than 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 Joel Brown's five for five? Uh, may, maybe, probably, yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, no, he didn't. He didn't do that. Okay, Dred Scott Open. Neither of them were at the Dred Scott Open. Probably for the best. There were some very high scores that day. Uh if your name wasn't Matt Rolstead, and Josh Benish. Okay, Eagle Lake Open. Tom Loftus, second place. Okay, tied with Sean Brown for first. They went to a one-hole playoff at 1,800-par. This is what I mean when I say these two players are both playing incredibly consistent golf right now. Okay, head to Lilliput Open 2.0. Anthony Dunkel, top five finish, 15 under par Tom Loftus, one stroke off of him at 14 under par Right there. Right there. Okay. Neither of them were at the Centennial Lakes Open. I am fully aware of my ticks, how I say things like K, and I'm working on it, sort of. I'm going to start working on it, starting right now. Anthony Dunkel, top five finish, Como Park, June 28th. Tom Loftus, two strokes behind him, right off the top five finish. Okay. Again, Incredibly consistent golf for both of these players. Eagle Lake Open, June 19th, Anthony Dunkel, one stroke off the lead, second place, eight under par, one stroke behind Sean Brown. <sighs> Veterans Open. June 6th, Anthony Dunkel. Top five finish, seven under par. Tom Loftus not at that event. Josh Benish, second place there, if you'll recall. Put open 1.0, June 2nd. Anthony Dunkel, this is the one I think he wishes he forgot. Six under par, uh, finished outside of the top ten. Tom Loftus, not at that event. We're going to go back, I think, two more. Dred Scott open 1.0. This was Matt Wyman, six under par. Tom Loftus, second place, one under. Anthony Dunkel, third place, two over. And we will end it there. and the backtracking there. The point I'm trying to make, I think I did a pretty good job of it. It was my second time doing it, so I should have done a good job. Is that both of those two players have been playing very, very well recently. Very very much coming into their own, if you will. Um, and as you know, Tom Loftus plays more, more mini-golf than probably any of us. Um, and, uh, you know, is without rust. Let's put it that way. Not a lot of rust. Um and I don't think Anthony has that much rust either. Joel Brown on the other hand, we will see on Wednesday how much rust he has. Okay. The final two players. Not a lot of debate here. Actually, no debate here. I will say this. If we were debate to debate something, I love the tears. And I'd honestly like to do something with tiers um, in the future. Because I think rankings are unfair a lot of times. As I noted earlier, I think Matt Wyman and Eric Aselius are in a tier. I think Josh Benish is in a tier. I think Zach, Dan are in their own tier. I think Tom, Joel, and Anthony are in their own tier. I think then there would be a skipping of a tier, if that makes sense. And then you have Matt Rolstead and Sean Brown who are in their own tier. Now, as you will recall from about five minutes ago, I was making an excuse for Anthony Dunkel for why his BEP was 79%, right? I said, well, he played at Midwest Golf Dome twice. Have you been to the Midwest Golf Dome? Have you played that course? The course is a mess, okay? I think one of of the explanations I used for it is playing... Putting in a parking lot with a um, a soda can at the end. A soda can that's sort of rotating in the wind. Good luck. We had originally scheduled the Midwest Golf Dome this year. I had to pull it off the schedule. I love that course. Man, if it were in shape, if that course were in shape, you guys would be so annoyed with how many times we would play it. But it's just not. It's just a mess. Um, and I get it. Running a small business is hard. Not easy. Okay. Tier break. Matt Rolstead, second place. Sean Brown, first place. They've both played at the Midwest Golf Dome. They Well, yeah, they both played one. You know what? I actually don't know if Matt has played at the Midwest Golf Dome. Hold on. I know that Sean has. Um, We've only played two events at the Midwest Golf Dome. They were both last year. And... You know, uh, Matt Rolstead, and if I get this wrong, I will be reminded very quickly, as I should be, Matt Rolstead has not played at the Midwest Golf Dome, which maybe we should add another tier. We're not going to do that. Matt Rolstead, four wins, 12 top five finishes, I believe in 13 events. I believe he's only had one event without a top five finish i'm going to find out right here real quick Um, all the while making sure that i'm still recording don't want to go through that again not the end of the world by any means hope everyone had a good christmas excited to see you all um on wednesday matt rolstead has had a total of one event in which he did not finish in the top five that was our 13th event. Uh, I don't have this labeled the best, so I don't actually know off the top of my head what it was, but I know what his stats were for that event. But he said all but one event he's finished in the top five. Funny thing, I do have a pause button though. It was the Moose Mountain Open that Matt Rolstad finished outside of the top five with a two over par. I know that's a very frustrating course for a lot of people, um, but, uh, yeah, and that was actually probably Sean's cl- Well, Sean finished in a tie for second, a four way tie for second at eight under par at sixth place was Anthony Dunkel at three under par. So really there, the, the, there, there was no, there was no risk of Sean finishing outside of the top five there. Okay. Back to the stat page, Matt Rolstead, four top five finishes, or excuse me, four wins, 12 top five finishes in 13 events and an 88% BEP percentage. Really, so far, the only player who's given consistent challenges to uh, our number one player, which is Sean Brown, who has a 90% BEP percentage, including a trip to Midwest Gulf 13 wins in 23 events, and 23 top five finishes in 23 events. Sean has been... Very, very, uh, dominant, if you will, since starting to play here. Um, he wins over half the time. Okay. And he gives a lot of us a, a, a goal, a spot to get to, right? All of Sean's scores are available for us to look at. We know where we need to get to in order to beat Sean. Okay. Speaking of, let's take a quick look at last year's New Year's Eve Open Grand Slam in Burnsville. On um, we actually played that one on New Year's Eve, and if you recall, uh, it was a very busy, uh, busy night at the uh, at the Grand at Grand Slam. They're only open till eight. I was certain they were open till later last year because I do not remember us being up against the clock. Um, but I also think that it's possible we started earlier. I think we may have. So regardless, we're starting at six. Um, if everybody's there early, we'll start early. If no, if if there's one person that's not there, then we'll start at six. We're gonna start right at six. Get those announcements in right at five fifty-five. We'll get started right at six. Here's one thing I wanted to note, and I might have teased this during the during the last section of this podcast. I'm going to be bringing something on. Wednesday to put in the bottom of the cups so that we don't have the bounces. And I've thought about this a lot. I spoke to my lovely wife about this. I'm going to stick a couple of cotton balls at the bottom of each pole. Okay. Is it going to work? I think it's going to help. It's certainly not going to make it worse. Okay. As we know, I've gone back and forth on this several, several, several times. The ball has to sit sit and rest at the bottom of the cup and this is one of those courses where they've got those shallow cups and they're really hard at the bottom and they boom right out of them especially those of you with lighter golf balls i'm going to stick a couple of cotton balls at the bottom of each hole and um i'll pull them out at the end of the night i'm not going to ask grand slam if i can do it because they're going to give me the funkiest look in the world i'm just gonna put them down there and uh i think it's going to help ultimately your ball has to come to a rest at the bottom of the hole now here's another thing there's a couple of situations on this course i think hole like 4 is one of them let me pull it up <clears throat> if your ball is in a um obstacle obstacle hold on here let me just pull it up hole number Hole number six, there's a cave. Your ball has to clear that cave completely, okay? So think of it this way. If your ball is sticking out of the cave and you can see it, you can play your ball as it lies, but you do not get relief from that. You only get relief if your ball clears that obstacle completely. What does that mean? That means that if you're standing on top of that rock, looking straight down, you should be able to put your scorecard between the rock and your ball. Okay? Now, you can get relief backwards. Okay? But if your ball is only sticking out of that cave, you do not get to pull it all the way out. You can always play it as it lies, but to get relief, you have to come backwards. I think that and like hole three on lily putt is, is another example of that i think that's the only one on this course you know i asked a couple of you uh, and i'm gonna ask most of you eventually for your 16 is another one for your favorite hole on the circuit i'm gonna put together a fun little graphic for that i think hole 14 is one of my favorite holes that's the roundabout hole where if you go too far it falls off the edge i love that hole i love that hole it's just i just love the strategy. It's so fun. Okay, where the heck was I? Oh, yeah, we were going to look at last year's Grand Slam Open. Okay, Sean Brown, first place, 13 under par. Matt Rolstead, second place, 12 under par. Joel Holm, third place, 10 under par. Tied with Jacob Hodge, 10 under par, um, who also is the course record holder at 35 under. Rounding out the top five, Rick Lestico, Where are you? Haven't seen you in a while, bud. Love to have you come back, eight under par. That was your top five. couple of very interesting things worth noting here. I had mentioned this on last week's podcast, but I'll say it again. Sean Brown went into that final hole with the event essentially over. And probably not knowing that he needed, he needed a three to lock it in. I don't think he was expecting a three. Um, he had only had two bogeys on the whole day. This was his third. And... Then Matt goes and aces it and, um, you know, f- forces a much closer finish than had originally. Um, uh, this, if you were there at the time, which I was, of only a year ago, it didn't feel like a one-stroke win. It was. It was a one-stroke win. It didn't feel that way. It felt, uh, It felt much more comfortable. This is an ace course light in that uh, there was 39 hole in ones last event with at with 17 golfers that's a little over two per golfer. So there is an opportunity for for many of you to get your ace percentage up. Joel Holm had five last time. Jacob Hodge, the course record holder, had four. Uh, Logan Lenertz had four. Uh, Matt Wyman, three, Matt Langer, three, Sean Brown, three, Matt Rolstead, three. And, you know, there are a couple of holes that, that are, uh, well, let's put it this way. There are two holes that are very, that have a very high ACE percentage hole. Number two, there were six ACEs and Matt Wyman, um, aced it twice actually. And that was six in, um, 34. I don't know the math right off the top of my head, but six and 34 is slightly under one and six, and then 13 times hole five had been aced, and that is the hole with the little black ramp in the front. Um, There was also an eight, a seven, a six, and a five, and a four on hole five as well. So if you're not careful... Uh things can go south for you very quickly. Jacob Hodge aced it twice, Brady Storhoff aced it twice, Logan Linertz aced it twice. Um those are the holes that have the highest ace percentage. Uh that one was 13 of 34. So not quite half. Um I did not think originally, if you'll recall, that, that hole was as aceable as it is, but the data, the data shows me otherwise. Um, the, 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 the next hole would be a uh, tie, a uh, hole 18, um, was aced four times. And then hole 11 was aced four times as well. There are a couple holes that I think are, I don't want to say they're not aceable, but uh, they're going to be very, very, very difficult to ace. Um, and this is a fun course. It's a quick course. It's a shorter course. I guess it's not as short as you would expect. Uh course record is 35. Um, done by Jacob Hodge last year, I I suspect that is going to get um, broke. I think it's going to get broke. And the reason is, is if you look at it, that 35 only includes three aces. And if you're seeing um, an, an average of two aces per player, I think tomorrow we might see a round where there's five somebody does five i think the record is seven kathleen malone's record is seven um but i think i think i think we'll see a five a four or a five and that's going to put that player that particular player because ultimately this is one of those things where it it, it might sneak up on you right you might go par par bogey birdie 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 and then all of a sudden you look and you're on hole 14 you have four aces and you're like oh if I ace two more holes, I'm gonna be right in the mix for a course record here. Um, so I, I think it could sneak up on somebody. I do expect it to be broken. Um, I'm gonna predict, I'm gonna predict a 34. I'm I'm not gonna get greedy here. I think I think somebody's going to have a 34. I think it's going to be on the back of, of, of four, a four ace performance 34. Um and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So it'll be a lot of fun. For those of you Many of you are new. I am reminded uh, that some of you don't quite know some of the vernacular. Your ball cannot leave the course. If it leaves the course or if it leaves the green padding, um, it's out of bounds. If it leaves the green, green course and it comes back and comes to a rest on your hole, particular hole, that is not out of bounds. It's where the ball ends up. And you know, it's a, it's a relatively tight course. So, um, but the walls are pretty steep. So I don't, exp- there's not going to be a lot of, I, d- I do actually have one video. I may, I may share it of somebody uh, kind of just uh, hacking their tee shot out of the course. Um, Remember, you got to bring it back to where you teed off from. You need to tee off on the black mat anywhere on the black mat. And if you don't want to use the black mat, you have to tee off completely behind the black mat, not to the left or the right of the black mat, completely behind. So on the black mat, or completely behind the black mat, I already went over um the the cave on six, a couple of other unique things. Actually, just one other unique thing. I'm just scanning this real quick just to make sure. Do, 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 do hole two there are five divots if you will and you can play those one of two different ways you can play them you can play out of them i think last year we didn't allow you to play out of them but we're going to allow you to play out of them or you could treat it as a water, like like a water hazard and you can take a one stroke penalty it's not out of bounds. it's a water hazard you can take a one stroke penalty and pull it out where it entered. And if you look at the picture, there's really only that third divot. That's an issue. I don't think you can actually play it out of that divot. I'd be very, very curious to see how you would do that. In that case, you have to put the ball where it entered uh, and take a one stroke penalty. Um, if you want to attempt to play it out of there, you certainly can, but the other four, you can play it out of those divots. Okay. That is all for today. I, I, almost lost this podcast again. Uh, it is, I believe on life support and I am going to quick save it and quick post it. And we will see you all on Wednesday evening.